Welcome to Creating Great Workplaces with Dr. Mark Hinderleiter. In his 30-year corporate career, Dr. Mark learned firsthand that healthy workplaces had a direct linkage to sustained growth and profitability, while dysfunctional workplaces experienced exactly the opposite. In his search for the secret sauce, Dr. Mark interviews senior executives from companies that have been recognized as a top workplace in their market or category. And now, here's your host, Dr. Mark Hinderleiter. Hi, everybody. My name is Mark Hinderleiter. Today, my guest is Robert Brown. Robert is a serial entrepreneur and has served as CEO for multiple organizations over the past 18 years. Now, Robert is the CEO of a company called Alumo, and he is the definition of a people person, and Alumo is personal to him. Robert's goal with Alumo is to help organizations with the data they need to make the right decisions so they can build strong and purpose-built organizations. Robert, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much, Mark. Thrilled and excited to be here today. Appreciate it. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. As an old HR guy, I've done many employee engagement surveys, and man, that was like <laughs> an elephant. So I'm eager to hear how, how you're how, how you have cracked the nut to do this better. So tell me about Alumo. Give me the highlights. Yeah, yeah. So you know, Alumo really came couple of unique things that I guess all, all came together. I, I had just exited a telecom company that I had been running. And, you know, as we were building that company, it was, it was one of the greatest experiences I had in my life as we really um, just the leadership and the teams working within the organization had really just come together. And it was just amazing. It was such a, a a fun experience, but also it was fun because, you know, it was probably the most work we'd ever done. Yeah. But at the same time, it didn't, you know, it's, it's, I've been blessed that through most of my career, I've been able to be in a position where work has never really felt like work, but it was such a learning and great experience as with our teams and our people, we really came together to, you know, figure out this whole culture thing, right? Um, It's, it's, it had always been kind of a, you know, what is it? How do you put your finger on it? How do you understand it? How can you quantify it? Um, because we knew that it drew drove our organization, but understanding really what that was, because it's certainly uh, just so many places I could go with this, but, you know, just recognizing the separation and how to eliminate the separation between top line leadership in the organization and front line, you know, the front lines of the organization. So, it, you know, as, as I grew that organization, we did and learned so many amazing things and ways and to facilitate that culture. But at the same time, I never had a way. Here I am, CEO of the organization. I've got every financial tool available to me under the sun. I can see through our BI tools, everything about the organization, except when it comes to our people and culture. So here our most valuable asset in the organization, and I have literally anecdotal, my own anecdotal processes and information and conversations is what I have to really base my decisions on. Yeah. I have no data, you know, and, and I don't mean no data, so that's unfair. Um, but, you know, last quarter's EMPS survey, um, the engagement survey that went out, the 
churn rate, you know, where we see, I can see hard, there's two components to human data as I see it. One is the statistics, you know, that really share with us what's happened based on our people. But what I believe organizations are missing is why it's happening. Yeah. And so when I look at churn rates and turnover rates and I see departments are losing their people or that, you know, we increased and we're losing more people this year than we did last year and all of those things, those are lagging indicators and those are yeah. somewhat helpful of indicators of the problem. But there weren't, they certainly weren't what I needed in order to solve or understand it. Yeah. So that's when I exited that organization and I found this op- this company called Alumo that was had this concept of how to do this, uh, I got really excited because, you know, this is just a, a personal passion. And what we've learned and the way we've been able to apply this is pretty phenomenal. And we're making a big difference. And that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, you know, just uh, if I could just kind of build on that just from my own career, you know, senior VP of HR for a billion dollar global company, it was hard to to use an overused word called alignment to create alignment, top management to front line, you know, senior leadership to front line. Right. And sometimes there's a gap there and sometimes there's the Grand Canyon there, right? <laughs> uh, and, uh, but it's hard to quantify, you know, as, yeah. as HR, uh, the head of HR, I traveled around and talked to people. So, I, you know, I did get some sense of, you know, where, where the gaps were. <clears throat> but not really good data on, you know, what those gaps were and why they were happening. Uh, so, you know, again, had some sense of it, but no real way to kind of measure those gaps and do some, uh, some diagnosis in real time. So I'm really eager to hear kind of how, how your processes work. You know, what it feels like to me is that we're making these choices and decisions and really, it's it's like we're throwing you know dart to the dartboard when it comes to our people and culture. Now, obviously, we're doing the best job that we can with the tools yeah. and the understanding that we have. But we've been told, we've been conditioned and told for years that there's no way to quantify culture. Yeah. And I call sorry, I call BS to that. <laughs> I really do. It's it's there. That is absolutely not true. There is a way to quantify the, all the different aspects that lead into that and the experiences that people are having within your organization. I'd really like to say, look, we, we focus on, first it was kind of employee satisfaction, you know, years ago, yeah. it was all about employee satisfaction. And then over the last 10 years or so, it's been, hey, it's employee engagement and we got to get yeah. engagement to drive because Obviously, organizations have recognized the studies that have been done, everything out there that now shows and points to the fact that, hey, if we get our people, you know, it's not about just getting our people happy. But, yes, it is about getting them in a place where they feel valued and supported and they do their best work. Because just like, you know, again, where I feel like I've been able to be successful is because I love what I do. And if we can help our people to get in that same place where they align with our values and our purpose and our corporate purpose of who we are and what we're working to accomplish, that alignment that you're talking, right? All these things all come together. You know, yeah, so, the thing, so if I could jump in there, here's the thing that I've seen with employee engagement. 
so, you know, conceptually, we get the idea that if people are more engaged, you know, we're going to be more productive and, and, and profitable and those kind of things. But even with that awareness and even with these kind of robust engagement surveys, the needle never moved over the last 10 years. You know, Gallup's employee engagement survey for the last 10 years, the needle didn't move. You know, it was give or take 70% of people were not engaged. Uh, so, right. in, uh, so that didn't move the needle at all. Yeah, and I, uh, I, I always point that back to good data equals good decisions. But when it comes to our people, we unfortunately have had really poor insight into what's going on. Um, you know, it's, it's also interesting to me that, you know, a year or so ago, um, maybe it was almost two years, you know, some of the largest organizations in the world got together and they changed the deck and created this new declaration. And essentially in that declaration, it says, Hey, you know, corporate uh, earnings and, you know, our stock values, that's not the number one purpose of our organization or of what organization's number one purpose should be. We're moving away from it's a sole focus on money to, you know, it's a purpose. So they indicated that it's a purpose and it's all about within our organizations. You know, we're talking, you know, Jeff Bezos and JP Morgan Chase. These are the top organizations and it's really focusing on people and the impact of organizations and all of that. At the same time, there's also been a dramatic shift in the workplace, obviously, as we now are focused on gig, you know, a gig workforce. Look what COVID did to the workforce. And one of the amazing things, I think companies for years after this are going to see the amazing impact, those that focused on their people. Um, there's some pretty high line, you know, <laughs> experiences where obviously one of the organizations that's very uh, a pretty big name you know went through covid and got a whole bunch of people on a zoom call and threw an email and said okay you're all fired oh good lord <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's an example of how not to become a people company yeah and how to show that yeah People are objects to you, and and that was the worst example. And on the flip side, some of the organizations that have done such a good job is, you know, look, they've openly and communicated. You know, we we completed a case study with one of our clients that in the, in the average out there, organizations that have had to go through, have gone through COVID and had to do layoffs or furloughs have seen, of course, a ninety one percent decrease in their EMPS score the employee net promoter score. So of course, if your company's laying off, it makes sense that, yeah, you're not very happy with that organization and you would not recommend your friends and family to work there. But one of our clients went through that same exact experience and they came out with a 31% increase. So a difference of 122%. And the amazing thing that really caused that was leadership's involvement and engagement to strategically go through that experience openly and communicating with their people. And they leveraged our tool to provide that insight that they needed to make those right choices and decisions. How should we approach this? How is this impacting our people? Well, the ultimate magic of everything that we do at Illumo is based on conversations. It's creating personal interactions at scale where we can listen and learn and understand the experience that your people are having with your organization. 
that's where I, I say, you know, we've gone from employee satisfaction to employee engagement. Well, now it's time for the human experience at work. And that's why we call it that is because to me, um, I've always believed that, you know, just the term employees feels very objectifying, like, hey, that's an object. It's a tool to my disposal. And I use that tool to do whatever I need to to accomplish my goals. Well, we wanted to change that. And what we believe is that organizations really need now to focus on creating the human experience at work. Just like they've you know, spent all of this time and effort creating the customer experience and the focus yeah. on the customer, right? Now take that same perspective and flip it to your internal people because you're having to create and, and create an organization that really looks as your people, as your customers now too. Because the new generations, they're shopping not just for a job, but they're shopping for an organization that they believe in, that aligns with their purpose, that, can, that they believe values them as people versus objects, right? It's, that's what we're talking about is how do we create that type of experience? Because it's my personal belief that if an organization doesn't make that cultural shift, you know, it, it's a tectonic shift that we've gone through over the last year. And if we don't make that shift, then your organizations are going to become irrelevant because yeah, the yeah. bottom line is you won't be able to attract the workforce. You won't be able to get people that are invested in your organization with the ideas and the innovation and the drive to make your organization succeed. And if you rest on your laurels, then you're going to be in a really tough place in the, in the next few years. So, you know, I've always kind of admired Southwest Airlines Robert, because they were 30 years ahead of what you're talking about. I remember when Herb Kelleher, the, you know, the first CEO, I think, kind of came up with the slogan that the customer is number two, yeah. which was sacrilege. You know, <laughs> That's right. In terms of business. But what he meant was, if you treat employees as really important and, and give them a great experience, they'll do the same thing for our customers. And that's exactly what they did. They created a fun experience for flying as much as you can anyway. Uh, and so I thought they were way ahead of their time. And I, I think the results over the last 20, 30 years uh, were as a result of that. Absolutely. And then look at what the experience that created, right? Then they began to attract people. You know, you see all the little videos of the amazing, you know, spiel that they have. They took that terrible experience that you would just sit there and not pay attention to about how to buckle up and do all those yeah. things, yeah. you know, and some of the most amazing experiences is those people felt empowered you know, Southwest didn't go script that or say, hey, this, no. you know, flight attendant or whatever needs to create this fun and amazing experience. That's what their people did when they were valued and they felt empowered by the organization. Now they built that culture that people know that Southwest is the fun airline to go on. And they yep. look forward to, they're almost disappointed if, if they get on and it's a traditional experience. That's not what they're looking for. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the experience that they created for their people that then, of course, their people now in turn created that. And, and it's just that cycle. I have the, you know, uh, the cycle that we use is, is all about that, about how if we can create that amazing experience for our people, of course, they will create it for our clients. And of course, then our clients will take care of the company. It, it's a symbiotic relationship. 
Absolutely. With the focus in the right place. That's a great example. I love that one. You know, here's a contrast to that. Robert is a buddy of mine, you know, been a friend for a long time. Talked to him a couple of weeks ago and I said, hey, man, how's it going to work? He said, hey, here's the thing, man. Keep your head down and your mouth shut. That's, that's how to survive here. And that is sad, you know, <laughs> sad for the individual and for the company. I, I don't know how you sustain success, you know, with, with that mentality. You know, it's it's amazing to be, be because I believe that, you know, that's kind of the traditional world. That's how things were done for so long. And unfortunately, we see in a lot of the large traditional organizations that are out there, that's kind of the culture. And that's how they had built those organizations based on kind of I'll call it social norms at the time, right? That's how, you know, you had a boss, you had to do whatever your boss said, um, you know, and yeah, you just shut up and do your job and and your your value is just your output. Yeah, it was and, the old military model of command and control. Yes. Right, <laughs> which the military doesn't do that much anymore. So so how, how do you, how do you help your clients get that kind of data in real time that's digestible. I'm just remembering the old employee engagement surveys that we did that were 60 questions, you know, several thousand people did it. We broke it down into departments and business units and it was just massive data and and really hard to act on. And so how do you, how do you make it so tell me about, give me, I, I'm going to ask you just a couple of quick questions. So you yeah. went out and did it. What was the process timeline from maybe the first time you said, okay, hey, we want to do this until what you would consider the end of that process? What was that like? I'd say uh, for the uh, generally about three months of, of introducing it to the workforce, say, hey, this is coming. This is why we're doing it. You know, really tried to communicate it well and, mm-hmm. uh, and then executed this, and then work with the HRIS department to to uh, to to put all the people, all that data in. You know who people were, and and what department and business unit they worked in, so that we could report out that way. Uh, and then uh, send out the surveys, give them a couple of weeks to do it, uh, get all the data back, <laughs> twist their arms, and <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Send to fill them out. To say, hey, come on, you know, do that. And then and then sitting down with senior management and going over the data. And that was hard because some of the senior leaders would say, this is bad data. That's, there's no way that's true in my business unit. You know, yeah. <laughs> and, and so uh, some really arm wrestling with senior leadership and then figuring out with senior leadership how to report that back and how to take actionable steps. And usually at the end of that was we, we, we just lost momentum and nobody cared after three or four <laughs> months. And so it was really, uh, and then that frustrated people that they, you know, took the effort to do a 60 question survey and what they, they got said, back saw any results. Yeah. Disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, I, over the holidays, um, I was talking to my brother-in-law and they just had tried to send out their annual survey. He works for a large multinational organization and and they send it out once a year. They're still doing an engagement survey once a year. And he's like, I can't even get my people to fill it out anymore. Yeah, yeah. He said, you know, they're so tired of, he said, you know, they keep just saying, look, we tell them the same things every time. 
and yep. nothing ever changes. Yep. So we're not even going to fill it out. And, and, you know, here he is trying because of course his job is to try to get him to fill it out. And they're like, well, why, you know, come on, this is the definition of insanity. Cause we keep doing the same thing. Right. And expecting a different result. We're not going to do it anymore. So that's what we see. And, you know, in, a, in many organizations, that process goes through then focus groups. And, you know, if you were able to get it done in three months, that's pretty amazing. Most organizations I see, you know, even longer and you're right. They start to lose the, they start to lose the desire. You know, it's like, well, if that's so yesterday, they don't really take those actions. And the biggest part of it is I call them disengagement surveys because <laughs> unfortunately we set a precedence that, Hey, we're going to listen, take action and make a difference for you. But when they, when that is so far, same thing for your people is if that's six months later, eight months later, before anything happens, even if you can hopefully tie it back to the fact that somebody said something and that was what that's, that's not relevant for them anymore either. They have new problems. Now you're solving problems that were six months ago, not my, the problems I'm focusing or I'm facing today. So that's why we bottom line created Lumo is we're like, well, this, this, <laughs> this insanity has to change. We have to change and get the data and insight because number one, it is possible to know and understand how our people feel. It is possible to, you know, not always be looking out the rear view mirror three, six, 12 months at a time through the traditional survey process. So if you ask me, Illumo is the anti-survey platform um, because we tried to take all of those different components and throw them out the window and say, hey, there's got to be a new and a better way. And that's what we did is because I personally believe, and this is one of my favorite statements, <laughs> and that is that you can't move the needle if you don't have a needle. And what we mean by that is that if you don't have a way to quantify your organization and your people and that culture, then it is just like you're throwing darts at a dartboard with, your, uh, with a blindfold on and hoping that once in a while you're going to hit something and it's going to make a difference. Because again, if you can't quantify it, then how do you know if the training, all the programs, all these things you're spending money on today, how do you know they're the right things? How do you know that they're making an impact? And that's one of the biggest frustrations why HR teams oftentimes get looked at as, well, you know, you guys don't speak the language of business. The yep. language of business is numbers. And when you don't speak that language and can't quantify the impact of all the things you're doing, well, then you're just an expense to me. And that's been the problem yeah. is that we look at as HR and our people and culture as an expense versus a strategic, the strategic value that they really are. The executive teams know and understand numbers. They look at them all day long. So why are you not giving them the metrics that they need? Well, it's because there hasn't been a tool like Alumo that gives you over 60 unique metrics surrounding every aspect of that workplace experience to help you put the needles on those things. But now that's why we're, I, you know, we're such a proponent of HR. I love the HR teams and the CHROs. You know, they came in they came into the whole, their whole purpose when they got their job was to help and impact people. And then they get thrown into HR organizations 
where in many organizations, not all, but many organizations, their value is seen as the compliance department. And hey, make sure you can hire people and fire people and do it and try to keep us out of trouble. Yep, that's, that's, that's old school HR. But that's not why they got in the business. And that's where we feel like, in fact, I had a, a CHRO just about in tears with me a couple of weeks ago. And I, she said to me, you've done what I could never do. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's pretty awesome. What was that? And she said, you raised the level of the importance of our people and culture within the organization. I have tried everything till I'm blue in the face to help them recognize and understand the impact and all of these different things. But what you were able to do is when I was able to, we have a heat map, which is uh, essentially shows all of the real-time data. And I mean real-time, today's insight of what's happening within your organization. And she said, once I was able to show that, and it's all pretty pictures with numbers and, you know, stack ranking every team and department, location, everything in the organization. She was like, it was like, and that's where I kind of got that whole blindfold thing because she's like, it was like you pulled the blindfold off. And for the first time, they could actually see the people within their organization. They could see which, which teams were performing well. They could see where our struggles were. And of course, as soon as they could see the issues and problems we, we were having, of course, they're fixers. That's what they want to do is help to fix and address it. Now I can't get them to stop. You know, it's like, whoa, okay, we're going to do this, but it's going to take a little time. But yeah, now we have the data and the insight to know what matters most and where we, sh we should be focusing our efforts. So how's the data gathering process different with Illumo than what we were talking about a few minutes ago, that 60 question survey that yeah. took three or four <laughs> months to report back on with no action taken? How do you do it differently? Yeah. So we had to throw all that out, of course. And we had to just look at a new and modern approach to try to meet people wherever they were, because we knew two things. One is we need consistent insight. So we're going to have to engage with them consistently. In fact, we, we, this is adjustable, but most of our organizations engage with their people on a weekly basis with every individual in the organization. So I can't send them a 60, <laughs> a 60 question survey once a week, right? We can't get them to fill it out already. So what we did is we looked at that one, we have to figure out how to fix that. The other is, is that, of course, then because we're engaging so frequently, it's got to be simple and easy. And so we just looked at, well, where do they live? And within organizations, we found a variety of different ways. So, for example, let's say that your company is a big Slack user and everybody engages in that. And that's a big driver for your organization. Well, then we'll just ask a single question, one question every single week, randomized through the entire experience that they're having. You know, for example, this week, maybe I ask a question about their, their personal well-being. Maybe in, in our well-being category, for example, we ask questions about like their work-life balance and psychological safety and their emotional health and, and those components. So you may get a question this week about one of those topics. Well, next week, you're going to get one out of our leadership category or out of our systems and technologies category, or maybe <clears throat> even our, excuse me, <clears throat> or maybe even our risk mitigation categories. 
where we're actually helping organizations for the first time proactively understand when they may have issues that could be surrounding discrimination or sexual harassment. You know, once you've built this amazing organization, now you've got to protect it also. And so we take a proactive stance. But one way is like through Slack. Another that we found is one of our most successful is just through a simple text. The younger generations, especially, you know, trying to get them to pay attention to email anymore. That's just not, they don't, they don't engage in that way. I, I don't even like doing that anymore. I'd rather. Do right. <laughs> yeah. We've all transitioned to this. huh? <laughs> so, you know, that's what I mean is we just find them where they are. So if it's in Slack, if it's in on a cell phone, if it's in some other program or system that they use every day, wherever they may be, we just find a way to ask them a simple question. But so that's how we kind of solve and get the consistent insight. The real magic of the platform came when we actually flipped the whole thing. And this is why I say we're not, we're not surveys is that, yes, we're asking questions, but we flipped it into a conversational-based discussion. What we do is, you know, can you ever think of a survey where somebody actually, you said something and respond, you know, you responded as the individual in the organization, and then somebody responded back to you, said, oh, I'm not, I, I'm glad to hear that you feel that way, or I'm sorry you're having a bad experience with this. Can you help me understand why or what's happening within the organization? What we found is that surveys are also highly ineffective because they deliver just a high level insight. Yeah. But I, you know, like, for example, I, I had one here that was a question where, you know, we asked the question, what's the one thing you would recommend to most improve your job? And they said communication, right? Simple, quick response, pretty typical of a survey, just kind of a one-way disengaged yeah. experience. But then we were able to come back and ask the question, you know, hey, thanks for providing that feedback. When you talk about communication, you know, what type of communication are you looking for? What do you think would be value? What are your ideas surrounding how to, you know, improve this, right? And so we start engaging in this conversation. Well, six, seven or seven levels deeper in the conversation, now I know exactly what they're talking about. And more importantly, why that's impacting them and why they feel that way and what that's causing for them. That's what I t call the root cause analysis. And that's what we used to try to do as a follow-up to surveys because we didn't get the info we needed. Of course, then we did focus groups and we would try to actually get to where we could have a conversation. Yeah. yeah. So that's what we're doing. We're doing an individual focus group with every individual in the organization, every Every single day we're interacting with, you know, we spread it out over the week. So about a fifth of your organization in the five days during the week, we're having these insightful conversations, real time, live. That's uh, what's allowing us then to hand to the organization the insight that they need to actually make the right moves. That's what I talk about, real time data, daily actionable insights coming from your people consistently. Some and it's been. And I was talking to one CHRO of a pretty large organization, and this individual said, "You know, well, what am I going to do with all of that? 
you know, like almost overwhelmed. And it can be, you can get a sense of, wow, if I'm listening every day, how am I going to address that? Well, just like you address other things, but now you're going to be able to identify things proactively and then quickly address them instead of these massive projects that, of course, six months later now have run out of gas. We're going to make small and simple iterative actions within the organization. But this type of data, you know, look, we also learned that, yeah, as a CHRO running that organization, you don't have the ability to engage in all those conversations. That's why we do it for you. Our teams do all of this. We engage in those conversations. We help you know, hey, here's some critical conversations you do need to pay attention to. Um, These ones are critical, and we immediately connect you to those. But for the majority, it's active listening. It's listening and learning. And then, you know, once a week, every couple of weeks, we're looking at the data and the insight so that we can make intelligent choices surrounding our people. That's the difference is if you want to change culture, change the organization, drive it through purpose, well, of course, you've got to have a needle and understand how to impact that. And then instead of, hey, we're going to go do this and we'll take a survey before and after to see if it made a difference. Well, now we're able to guide you through the process so that when you get to the end of that experience or the things you're rolling out, you know what's going to work because you were able to change and iterate as you went. But then equally important and where this is a hard lesson for me because I made so many mistakes in my career with this is that, yeah, we would go implement things great through the process. And yeah, we felt great at the end. And then we were off to the next thing. Well, six months later, that thing wasn't effective anymore because we had forgot it and moved on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's where our data and insight also helps you to make things stick is because we're able to then measure and quantify when those needles are moving or dropping so that you can immediately and proactively address it versus always fighting fires. It's a proactive approach. Yeah. As a HR practitioner, you know, back in the day, the world changed since I was a head of HR in 2020, where just black swan events, right? Just radical change that impacted everybody. And so what was true six months ago is not true anymore, you know? And so I love kind of... One, how you take this elephant that we're trying to eat in one bite and break it down into bite-sized pieces. And two, real-time data that's actionable. And three, a deeper cut rather than just say, hey, better communication. I kind of like that example of, okay, what do you want to hear that would be important to you in your job? And what's the best way to deliver that communication? So I love that conversational approach that that you just don't get in a, you know, a ranking survey or anything like that. That's right. I'll give you another example. So um, I had a a CEO just this last weekend in one of our clients in the platform. And we encourage the CEOs to be added to the email. So every day we send out an email just showing all the conversations that are happening in the platform. So just an easy way for them, you know, they're at dinner at night or whatever, uh, on a plane or whatever it may be. And they can just browse through the conversations and get a true direct pulse. And the CEO saw a comment come through that it was one of their people. And I guess their current bereavement policy um, only gave like three days of unpaid time off. 
and the the feedback came in about how difficult this was for this individual that you know she's like I'm actually trying to worry about this death and everything that's happening to my family but at the same time I'm have such financial stress for taking off the days well this CEO, he was able to identify that and see that and very quickly recognize, well, that's not, that doesn't align with the type of company we are. That's not who we are and who we want to be and the value that we put on our people. And um, he changed it over the weekend. So he saw that issue and immediately recognized the gap in their value to their people and fixed it. That's what I mean is that when I can connect and and I will say he's been amazing at understanding and for him, this is the tool. He's like, I needed this in order to understand what's happening at the front lines. I know that I go through through the chain of command, right? It gets filtered. And I know that in order to make the right decisions, you know, this organization um, manages different hotel properties. And they have, you know, 30 or 40 different hotels that they manage. And he's like, there's no way for me to go through because we're struggling, right? We're struggling right now. And there's no, not, no way for me to make the right choices and decisions without understanding what's happening at the yeah. front lines. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what this has given to him and that organization. And they've made amazing success and changes and just driving that. Their people know that he's involved, he's listening, he's active, and that's changed everything for them. Awesome. I'm on the other side of it. I'm as passionate as you are about having that kind of data. You know, for for my clients, for my CHRO clients, for my company uh, executive clients. So how can people find uh, Alumo? Yeah, certainly. Of course, our our website is one of the best places, Um, you know, just Olumo, O-L-U-M-O.com is a great place to engage and connect with us. Uh, You can also look me up, Robert Brown, on on LinkedIn if you'd like. Well, Robert, hey, uh, great conversation. Really look forward to talking with you more offline because, uh, like I said, I'm as passionate about this stuff as you are. So, folks, hey, thanks for listening in. I say a lot that great podcasts are the new MBA. So thanks for listening. Companies with healthy, engaging workplaces have a distinct advantage over the competition in any industry. We hope you got at least one tip from this podcast to move you forward in creating a workplace people are proud to be a part of. Thanks for listening to Creating Great Workplaces with your host, Dr. Mark Hinderleiter. For a complimentary consultation, call Dr. Mark at 636-346-8466. For more information, visit us at thirdwayinc.com. That is T-H-I-R-D-W-A-Y-I-N-C.com. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.